0: People ask a lot of students, What's your major? What are you going to do with it? What will you do with it for the rest of your life? Too bad they're never the right questions. It shouldn't be what's your major, but what do you want to learn? What do you want to change about the world? At Allegheny, you're more than one major, because when you learn outside the lines, you'll discover perspectives you never knew were possible. Allegheny College. Learn outside the lines. Explore the possibilities at mindovermajor.com.
1: that says Sunday services. And so one weekend was for Hispanics to, they would design and implement the Sunday service. And then one group was, you know, black, uh, black parishioners. And so I was with the group that was doing, that was trying to design this black church service or kind of show our culture in this church service. And so, we had suggested some things, and we had a meeting with that pastor. We sat down, and we said, hey, we'd like to try this. And one of the things we'd like to try, which is very popular in black church, is praise dancing. And so we said we'd like to have someone come in and, and dance to a song, to a spiritual song. And, and the response from the pastor was, well, we don't do that at our church. Really? I thought, wow, that's interesting. So, your idea of diversity is, you are welcome to come into our environment as long as you think like we do, as long as you play by our rules. Then, yeah. So, what? That's assimilation. That isn't diversity. They didn't want to hear any additional thought. And really, I, I left that church because of that incident, and it was because. You just didn't get it. You were close to getting it, but you just couldn't see how offensive that was. That my culture wasn't welcomed in your church, well, but that's,
2: you wanted me at church. <laughs> well, 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 Kevin, I will, I will be. I, I'm only honest with my guests and say that, um, no, I, I do not go to church. But I'm still offended by that story. So even though yeah. I don't go to church, I'm not going to that one. If I did go to church, I'm staying away from that guy, staying away from that church. That seems right. like a really unwelcoming place. Yeah, unwelcoming. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to unwelcoming. No. Right, um, and I—that's I, very disturbing to me that a, a someone who should be, who should have not only been trained uh, in a seminary environment to be open, but the fact is, if you're a religious leader, it is, in, in my opinion, your your obligation, and it really should be your desire to be open to the world uh, and try try to help as many people as you can. Um,
1: that's 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 very very strange behavior. Uh, yeah, it was an in, it was yeah it was an interesting time to go through with him and and <laughs> my wife used to always say the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I think his intention was <laughs> to create this environment where it was just inclusion, but he couldn't get out of his own way to understand that your experience isn't the end all be all. Like there's other experiences that can actually enrich. The church experience you're trying to have, if you'd be open to that, sure. Course, he just wasn't ready right at that. Huh?
2: Well, and you know, and it and it also shows that in every in every aspect of of work, whether you're a teacher, an educator like me, or or a religious leader, it shows that you're still dealing with people, and simply some some people are just not open. It's just how some people are just not open people, and in their in their own. It, you know I, obviously he was wrong, but also to, to, to be to be respect, to, to to be fair to the entire equation in his own mind, he very well could have thought that he truly was being as open as
1: he thought he was when obviously oh, to yeah, I, a- I can guarantee you if I were to go back and have this conversation with him, he would be shocked and I don't know if he would be willing to hear my version of how all that went. I think he would just dismiss me as being too in, too sensitive. Well, of course, well of course, but you yeah. know these
2: these podcasts, these these, are, you can share them really easily. You could even you could even send them this this episode and <laughs> tell him tell them to tell that pastor to t- tell that pastor to take to take a listen and and I, yeah. I'm going to take a wild guess I don't think he's going to listen to it because he knows he needs people people who behave. Poorly are are also and i've also noticed in my own experience with discrimination my own life i've noticed that people who do a lot of discrimination are also of course very weak people and they also spend a lot of time avoiding and running away from any challenge or anyone else so people who do these types of things they disappear very quickly too uh,
1: i've i've noticed it um but that's... yeah and i think and i found too part of the church culture is there's a reason why the guy's in charge. Like there's part of his personality was he's a good lead. He he's a leader, but part of leadership too is is again, it's the whole diversity thing that if, if I can bring more people on, like I will often say, I'll ask the question when I'm doing training, you know, if we both see the world from different angles, whose view is correct. And the answer is we both could be correct. And if we link together, I can see things that are in your blind spot and you can see things in my blind spot. We're all better for that. And you've seen that play out horribly with a lot of the ads that you've seen recently with big companies. There was an ad that was done by Gucci last fall and it was this turtleneck sweater that when you pulled it up over your mouth had these big red lips on it. So it looked like the person... Basically, was in blackface, and I thought, what Gucci lacks is diversity in their advertising department, because there's no way a person of color would have allowed that to go through. And so, the pitch to corporations is, you still want to get a handle on who you're serving, you've got to have more people in those decision-making meetings that are representing who you're serving. Gucci failed horribly at that,
2: that without answer. doubt without doubt I, there have been so many there have been so many very strange commercials uh, that have been very <laughs> disturbing uh, to one group or another group or it's always you know the, the reason why I'm very serious on my podcast and as as a teacher and the reason I never tell jokes except for you know once every few years is I I never tell jokes because I know that it, philosophically it's always at someone else's expense. Meaning I know I'm t- it's 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 almost like it's you're taking advantage of someone else just to just to give yourself the enjoyment of a joke. You know, right. if a joke is always, it's always at someone else's expense. Um, oh. we, and the and the best the truth of it is that the best comedians are comedians who are able to put the joke on themselves. Right. Uh, and still right. and still. And still people become offended even if the jokes are really funny so that that that's also an interesting idea in society too um that that issue of of humor yeah uh that's the, these these things are very all very strange things and they're all very concerning you know we're living in a very turbulent uh relatively troubling time in our country with you know this uh health situation right now you know a presidential um election um what uh so i I guess I, i i do have i do have a couple couple interesting questions of course you know what what advice can you can you give to me or my audience or anyone who might be listening to this podcast who is facing discrimination in in any way what's if you only give one piece of advice what's your advice
1: that's a good question uh it's tough. Like I, I faced discrimination at work several times. And this is when I just got out of college was when it was probably the most impactful first job out of college, young kid. And I remember I was in a meeting with, and I had moved up the ladder and I worked for all state. I was an insurance adjuster and I moved up the ladder pretty quickly Uh, became a middle manager I remember being in a meeting with my direct boss and then three or four peers I was the only person of color in there and everybody, the other guys were white males and the topic of February came up and just jokingly I said well you know it's interesting that Black History Month is in February because it's the shortest month of the year and his response, my superior's response to me in front of my peers was, "Well, you know, you'd bitch if we hung you with the new rope." And I had never Wait, heard. Really? like Yeah. Kevin, no, Kevin. They, and yes. they. Said
2: that out loud. And this was this was in the nineties, so it's really? not that long. I would have. I would have quit. I would have just walked. I would have done. I would
1: have quit. It, 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 it was so interesting, like. When some like a, I'm just joking around in a meeting, just bantering back and forth, just joking around, and that was his response. And again, I've never heard that expression before, and uh, and I didn't know what to say. I was so taken off by that comment that I didn't say anything. Um, and what I did do is I went back, my dad, you know, so I was adopted into a white family, so I was like, Dad. This is what happened. What's your take on what this comment? And my dad was like, oh, yeah, that (laughs) – yeah, you couldn't be much more racist than what he just said. And then I asked a couple friends, and they all agreed. So I sat down with him, and I said, hey, here's my take on that meeting we had. Um, Yeah, I was really offended by the comment you made. And and right away I got, which I see a lot, and so I will warn schools not to do this or corporations not to do this, was he went into the intentions argument. And there's a great book out there called White Fragility. Don't spend time on what a person's intentions were, but spend time on the impact. So what he wanted to argue with me was, well, my intention wasn't to hurt you. I'm just this sheltered kid from a rural area and just a saying that we say, and so you shouldn't be offended because I, w- I didn't intend to offend you. And he totally missed the fact that the impact that he had on me hurt me. And so when you talk about, so what do you, how do you handle that? And that was the beginning of the end of my career at Allstate. Because I was labeled this problem maker, because I just brought to his attention in a meeting that I, what he said I thought was disrespectful. And so it's really tough. Even today in a corporate world, yeah, if you get discriminated against, you have to weigh <laughs> how much you want the job. Um, and is it really worth worth it? And I look back and I think about that incident and I talk to HR about the incident. And like I said, that I think unofficially there was a mark in my file from that day on. That was the difficult black guy that they really didn't wanna to have to deal with. So you gotta be really strategic when you're when you're you're handling discrimination. In school it's different. Um And what we're trying to do as kids is, so in those focus groups I talked about, this was really interesting. So this school is predominantly white, like 97% white. And when we'd gone to the kids of color and said, well, share with us an experience that you have had that you felt was disrespectful or kind of bordered on, you know, what most people would call racist. And the kids would share that. uh, And we would get comments like, well, I'm Muslim and so everyone calls me a terrorist. But then before that student would finish that sentence, they would say, But they were just joking. They're really my friends. So those kids had learned that this is the accepted behavior in this environment. And to deal with it, I just have to put into my head that yeah, this is just what I have to expect. And so I thought that was really interesting. So what We've done from there is encourage kids that when these things happen, you've got to talk about them. You've got to share them because we were bringing these stories back to the teachers and they weren't the kids weren't sharing. them, So the teachers were like, hey, everything's fine here. And so now, yeah, one of the big things we just encourage kids is you got to tell the adults when things are going bad so we can fix them.
2: That's very – I mean, it, it, it. on one hand, it does not surprise me at all that you're having these reactions and that the children are behaving this poorly. Um, I mean, I'm 28 years old, and I thought my generation was pretty horrible uh, as far as behavior and, you know, accepting blind people and things like that. Uh, but apparently – oh, man. Apparently, we the, – the problems have gotten even worse or, or seeming to continue at least. Um, yeah. I mean, and there's there's many reasons why children are not not speaking up at school, uh, which is which is the same reason why people don't speak up in, when they're older and they're working because they don't they don't want to be they as you said they don't you don't want they don't want that permanent mark on the file. Oh, you're the difficult person, or we're gonna fire you. Pe- people are very concerned about about retaliation too. That's oh, another dear. thing. Yeah, retaliation is is a huge problem, which is why I think a lot of discrimination uh, cases uh, are not heard properly and are not uh, even brought brought to the attention of of justice in our legal system. And in fact, uh, my take on it is that our legal system makes it very difficult for someone to uh, come up and say, you know, uh, judge, you know, I was discriminated by this person. I think our, our 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 legal system really makes it very difficult to prove a discrimination or um, a uh, defamation is is what is a huge problem too. The, def- the defamation law is very difficult to prove, mm-hmm. so it, it creates this constant this constant problem. Um, but I, I also think that. That people people need to know what the right behavior is when they are discriminated against. You know, you need to know when when to make an issue, when to speak up, and then you also, in my experience, you also need to learn when to walk away too. You need to learn when it's when 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 the behavior is so poor that the behavior is worth ignoring, and that's what I faced. I faced um, perhaps my. Younger years after university, or maybe around the time that I was graduating from the university, uh, people around me were behaving so poorly that although I wanted to complain, I just knew that I needed to to ignore the behavior and
1: move forward. Which is right, often. and that so is it interesting that yeah, as kind of a, a class that's discriminated against, you have to make the adjustment that it's yeah, you have well, to say. So- Sometimes teach I, teach,
2: that. I teach students, I teach people, and I when I talk to people about it, I say it's difficult. Sometimes you need to be strong and speak up and make yeah. an issue, and then the other times you need to be strong and you need to keep walking. You need to realize that person is not worth my energy, and I'm going to lose the case anyway, and it's just going yeah. to create more problems than I have already so you might as well just focus on something you know, just move towards the future move towards the goal but that i'm certainly not saying that you should not speak up no no, no. you know audience please understand there are many cases and i i would advocate for speaking up but almost almost 100% of the time um except in um incredibly severe situations um which of course you know i'm not going to i'm not going to say what it was on on the air i Probably not. I'm in the future. I might tell you more privately, you know, a private message, some of the things that that occurred. But I I probably wouldn't because you you wouldn't be surprised with your work that you do. You wouldn't be surprised of any of the things that happened to me. So, um, I I think that there are times when you do need to speak up, and then there's also times when you need you need to just have the courage to know that you can move on.
1: So it's yeah, it's tricky. So I so because so. I'm what's termed a transracial adoptee. So I'm a child of color who was adopted by a white family. And so I will go, I train for the state of Ohio where I live, and I train foster parents, adoptive parents, and professionals in child welfare. And so one of the things that I train, what I'm I'm trying to train white parents that have adopted children of color is how do you advocate for your child in school? And one of the points you just made is you have to choose your battles wisely. You yes. can't run up to school every time there's an incident because then you get dismissed as the crazy helicopter parent. You have to and that's that's just what you learn as a person who's, you know, from a from a minority population is, yeah, I can't I would go crazy trying to fight every slight, every microaggression, every macroaggression, every racist comment. And so you do. You become very strategic, and you say, "Okay, yeah, that's not worth my energy today," or simply, "I don't have the energy today to get into that." And as I got older, that's yeah, oftentimes that's the best thing to do is just walk away. Because staying, I, you there know
2: is, what? And Kevin, I I greatly I greatly appreciate you you helping me to come to that conclusion. I have come to that conclusion in my own life. After whatever happened, it was about ten years ago that the four four to seven years ago that the big incident happened. Whatever it was, the thing that I had to walk away from, and I had always wondered in my heart. I had always wondered, did I do the right thing by having the courage to walk away? And I pr- have pretty much convinced myself at this point that yeah, that was the right thing to do. And then you just re- you just reaffirmed that. So I, I thank you for that, and I'm glad that I am glad that I learned
1: that life lesson. It was and, of course. Uh, and Sometimes oftentimes that's harder <laughs> than just sitting there going at it with somebody. But of course, and it of comes course. with maturity, too, is to say, you know what? this is, It's just futile. I'm not going to convince this person of how I feel or think. And for my own self-preservation, I've just got to walk away or I'll walk away. This will cause more trouble inside of me. <laughs> and this or person that. will go on life like it never happened. And you know what people like that
2: move on to. Everybody moves yeah. out and disappear. Yeah. people like that disappear. Um, uh, yeah, it's a really really interesting material really re- really well done. <coughs> um, but that's that's really really good. So with all the with all the work that you've been doing, so what have the results been? I mean I mean'm I'm, I'm
1: glad you're doing the work, but what what's the results? It's interesting. We're, it's mixed results. Uh, I've worked with schools that weren't ready. They just called me in to check off a tick mark to say, we've had our diversity council, we've addressed it, and we're going to move on, and we're not going to change. But if anybody asks us, we addressed it. So those are the most frustrating. Um, yeah, just recently I had a school – who I was coming to that conclusion at about the same time they were, that they weren't ready. And then the next day I get the email that says, you know, we're going to go in another direction. We just want to move on. And so, you know, as a businessman, an entrepreneur, you're like, shoot, (laughs) I wanted to be the one to pull the plug. Um, But, yeah, so we get schools like that that aren't ready, or I'm working with a school in the third year who is ready. And the superintendent is locked in. He's ready for the fight. And when things, you know, spark up, we have his full support. And that's encouraging because, and I told the school this three years ago when we started, if we do this right, it will change everything about your school. It will change your curriculum. It will change your policy. And now we're at the point where they've matured enough, where they are really looking at things like, What books do we offer for these children to read? And are we just offering pretty much a bland selection that just shows the experience of one population? Or are we going to expand that so that we can show different life experiences from different cultures? And that's where they're changing. And they're getting pushback from it. You know, people don't want to put down, uh, (laughs) you know, kill a mockingbird. Um, but there are, there are there are other, you know, more current authors from a wider range and culture that could say the same thing in a different way. Uh, and so you, so that's exciting to me is we're starting to see it change. And yeah, and we're getting to the point where we've made so much change that those that don't want to be a part of the change will start to fall off. Those are usually the people that are giving you the hardest time. So there's a lot of teachers that have seen this change and now understand, yeah, this we're not going back. And so, yeah, now I anticipate we're going to start getting those teachers to go elsewhere. And then we've got to do a better job recruiting more diverse teachers in so you can really change the whole environment. You know, that's
2: it's interesting that you mentioned, when you mentioned the books, it reminded me of, um, 11th, what was it 10th grade 11th it was either 10th grade or 11th grade. And in my County, wherever it is, uh, they have like a, you know, the summer reading thing or something like that. We have to like read a book and I mm. was going down the entire list and I noticed that a hunt that most of the books were, were about, were about race or were about, you know, African American issues, um. And that was like the only thing that all of the books had in common for, for, for some. And, and I thought, I thought it was very, very odd, um, in a sense, what, why, you know, what, what do you think about that? Why would all of the books need to be about one, one group of people?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the one teacher, Kathy, that we're working with in this district, she, uh, she works in english she loves it she's a great teacher and she pointed out that not only do i want books that are written by people from different cultures but i don't want the the black author that tells the downtrodden story of their struggle with race how come i can't just have a story that happens to be by a black guy that just like ta coates who's a great writer And he shares his experience. Uh, He has this great book out called Between the World and Me, which shares his experience as a person of color moving through this world. And he does a great job of telling it. Um, And so I thought it was interesting that she pointed out, yeah, we need not only do we need to change culture, but we need to change the the mindset that those from the marginalized groups can only tell stories of struggle because that's all they experience, which isn't true.
2: Yeah, it's very very odd and very accurate. That almost on that particular reading list, I I'm remembering this now as you're telling this. I'm remembering thinking back to it in high school, and thinking that all of those books, oh, oh what what book did I read? Um, you're gonna know it right away when I say it. I read um, what's it called, Native Son? Yeah 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Richard Thomas, right?
2: Vaguely, that vaguely sounds familiar. Um about the guy um what's that bigger thomas the what isn't his name bigger thomas might have could have been might have been i don't know years since years since i read it i don't know i'm just trying to remember the book was it it was something about like he got like he got a job um in the 1920s or 30s working for like this white family as like a limousine driver and then things mm-hmm. like get out of hand and he kills like the daughter and like something about like putting the daughter in
1: like the furnace or some story like that. Yeah. Cause she, she was coming on to him. Right. And he was trying to keep her quiet and killed. Her.
2: Or I, I don't remember the motive. I, I don't remember all yeah. the details that, I that think. story and all it all, it's all about it's all about struggling like there was nothing really yes there, there was nothing there was nothing p- apart from the fact that 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 particular book is is well written there was nothing really like positive about it. It was all negative, negative things. And even, even still, um, I would, I would ask you, what's your opinion about, um, should schools, uh, be reading and should, should schools include, um, you know, all those, uh, novels from, you know, Samuel Clemens, you know, Tom Sawyer, uh, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, uh, is, should that be, should, should that be read in school? Because not, not only is it incredibly inappropriate, um, but it's but it's also incredibly negative and it's also incredibly right. well written what what's your what's your perception
1: of, of those of those novels i think we can evolve so those i think those novels have served their purpose you can find good writers good contemporary writers that are addressing that same thing but done in a better way right yeah okay, and I, that sure, that's sure. what yeah, that's the pushback we're getting now is that everyone wants to cling to these classics, but you forget about, really go back and look at the classics. Because there are some, you'd look at them now and go, wow, don't remember, you know, but that's horrible. Um, yeah, so we can all evolve. These reading lists should evolve, but they don't, which is interesting that we want to hold on to these classics forever. Yeah. Like like authors stop being produced,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's th- that that's that's another yeah has it occurred to any of these people writing the list that we still have authors today that are that are not only writing but are like living functioning people who are like you know eating meals
1: and living lives, you know
2: yes yeah, and, and,
1: and and telling a story that the kids could probably easier relate to. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. And there's, and there's a lot, there's a lot of great, of great literature. Um, but I, I certainly, I certainly see, I certainly see what you're saying. Yes. <clears throat> um, well that is, that is all very, uh, very
1: interesting. Do you, do you podcast yourself? No, and I've consider I'm really considering it. Uh, I'm just toying with what's it going to be on and really where I'm at. It's just trying to figure out where my my niche is, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, because you 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 speak well and you have really uh, accurate and interesting things to to tell people. I think you would I I think you should give it a try. I think your 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 audience can be well, really really anyone, but especially people in the education field, I think would be your your audience. Mhm. Um, but that is, that is very, um, all, all very, all really, really, really fascinating. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, more, more lighthearted things, you know, what do you do? What do you do in your free time when you aren't doing this work?
1: Uh, what do I do? I'm a woodworker. I fly, uh, drones. Ah, Yeah, so that's been, yeah, it's been interesting to kind of, yeah, most people don't know, but you're supposed to have a pilot's license to fly a drone, and so I had to take the, it's a a similar exam than what pilots take, (laughs) and you have to go to an airport and sit down and take a two-hour test to be a drone pilot, so I did that, and I just do it recreationally, flying
2: around. (laughs) Yeah, that's a big that's a that's a big business. Yeah, my my uncle has a drone, uh, has his license, yeah, the FAA license. Yeah, that's it's a big business mm-hmm. and you yeah, you can get um work where you know people uh pay you to I guess take pictures of certain things and then you I guess <laughs> I guess it's as simple as just sending the send in the images and then you get
1: paid, I guess. Um but it's that's a, yeah. that's a big business. So yeah. now they're finding all these different ways to use them, which is, which is interesting. So, uh, yeah, it it is that simple. You just send the drone up and especially now with the newer drones, they're pretty much just push a button and tell it what to do and it'll do it. Um, and so, yeah, I, yeah, I I think those are going to, they're going to change the world. I mean, there's talk of them delivering Amazon orders and everything. So.
2: Well, well, you know, who knows? I like I like to joke around with students about that, that whole Amazon thing. I said, so, you know, um, so what if I order an iMac? What if I order a computer? So how is that going to work? The drone's going to hover over my house and then what? If I don't run outside fast enough, the drone drops the computer and I buy a new computer, what happens? You know, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> You know, that that's really that's really interesting, that whole notion of, of drones delivering things. Um and I, I it's think it's
1: interesting. It's being done in different and you can go online and see, but yeah, this one guy tested it and he was he was a couple blocks away from his wife and she needed car keys or something. And he put it on the drone and flew it over, flew it over to her and set it down in her yard and she came out and got the keys. Um so I think they will be doing more things like that.
2: I I see. I see. Yeah, and you know, I think another – certainly another topic as it relates directly to education is this whole notion of social media. I think – and I didn't think of it earlier when we were talking about it, but I think that's also a huge factor in the way people behave is this whole yeah. – and I, I, where do you think this is all going? I'm trying to figure out, figure it out myself. Where are we going with all this it's, social media mess?
1: It's tough because social media allows you to just create your own silo. <laughs> so, uh, it's funny. I, I work with the coach and part of my push recently has been get the brand out there, you know, in a, so you can in, impact more people, um, and so, you know, one of his suggestions is you got to get more Facebook friends. And part of oh, me sorry. is really protecting no. that group no, no, of friends no. that I have because, and this is horrible for me to say, but because <laughs> we all think alike. <laughs> and so if I start bringing in other people that think differently than me, then this activity that was once social become. and I've had that happen with Facebook where – Man, you can go down this really dark road where everyone's arguing and everyone's challenging everything that everybody says, and unfortunately, that's what social media does. It allows you to create this silo where I surround my everyone that thinks like me and agrees with me, and then we go attack the group that doesn't think like us. Yes,
2: yeah, it's really. I think it's really dangerous. I think it's. I, I it think is. it's really. It's no it's laughing. Great. And, and listeners, this is this is no laughing matter. I've said it before. I think it's it, it's this simple. I think it's dangerous, because it's because it's giving us it's giving us this whole this whole notion. It's giving us this sense that we're the only person who's right. And then people and I think I think I'm I, I might be thinking this way. I think people who are down this trap of thinking that everything they do are is right that they're right all the time those ironically are the same people who are discriminatory so i it's a stretch but i would say that i think social media has may have contributed to the rise in discriminatory behavior in our in our society because it teaches us in a sense to discriminate what we like and don't like so i mean facebook has connected the world facebook is amazing and it will always be amazing and facebook is one i'm i'm glad that i have facebook i'm glad that i use it but every product has the downside and i think the 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 the, the scary thing is that so is that everybody thinks they're right
1: so right and then and then you get your team behind you (laughs) Kind of amping you up, you know, to be the hero of the group. And that could end horrible. Um, you see that a lot with, you know, uh, celebrities or politicians where they may say something and then their people respond almost like soldiers to what they said. And yeah, that I'm surprised we haven't seen more of that where, you know, people act on what they're. You know what their you know, celebrities said or their politicians said, and they they took that way too far.
2: Yeah, I I don't I I tend to not believe politicians of any party, and right. and I tend to not be interested in celebrities. So at least I didn't I, I'm not not into that. <laughs> <role>. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I guys, guess some people have created this art of really taking advantage of these tribes that they've created where they can be, man, I, yeah, like I said, I haven't seen that play out to the degree that I, I thought it would. But, man, you, I it wouldn't put it past someone to say something and one of their followers take that way to the extreme, especially that's, when you're oh, that's really dangerous. computing with somebody. I, well,
2: I, I, well, I tell you what, let's wait 10 or 20 years because then we'll see the impact. And this is this is the scary. Right. We'll, we'll have to wait 20 years to see what happened is is really concerning. Um, but I think go, I, I think it really comes down to how a person grows up and how they're raised. If, if you're raised with the appropriate standards of knowing right from wrong.
0: vip parking vip casino access and more book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel mills must be 21 please play responsibly for help visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER come stay and play at live casino and hotel welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms upscale dining in the grandest payouts now offering stay and play and all in packages including $50 free slot play VIP parking VIP casino access and more book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel Mills must be 21 please play responsibly for help visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER